Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. This season, we are talking about the book of Acts and the works of Jesus through His church and in His kingdom. I'm Amber Barrett, and joining Vanessa and me in conversation today are Shannon Williams and Sarah Price. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Hello. Good to have the two of y'all. Part of what I'm looking forward to about this podcast is how well the two of y'all know each other and how much I enjoy conversation with the two of y'all. Shannon, tell us a little bit about how you and Sarah became friends. So I am Shannon Williams, and uh, I've gone to church here for over 20 years. My husband and I were married here, um, and I'm a nurse by trade, and I stay home now with uh, our daughter who is in high school. And so soon I won't be able to say I stay home with my daughter. I'll just have to stay home for no reason. <laughs> I um, stay home because I like it. I Thank like it. And I like bonbons. Uh, <laughs> so Sarah and I have known each other for forever. I don't know how. We just do. We started in uh, builder's class together. Um, and so I call us forever friends because I can't remember ever not knowing her um, from here at church. And so that is how we know each other. And we always have a great time together. We yes. are very silly. We are never serious. No. Um, and yeah, she's a great time. I love her. <laughs> adore her. <laughs> One of my besties. Yeah. Um, I am Sarah Price. My husband, John, and I have four kids. We have been in Augusta since 2004. So it's probably when we met. Probably. Probably 2004 yeah. when we came to Augusta and started going to church here. My oldest, Hannah, is a year behind Bethany. And so they are, um, when they were little, that was, I think, a lot of our friendship was hanging out, doing play dates, um, letting the girls play. And we had, there were other people in our little crowd. My favorite play dates were in the summer because Brandon teaches. And so Brandon would play with the kids while all the moms got to sit by the side of the pool and talk. That's true. Oh, Those yeah. were the best. Wow. That's true. Yeah. That's big points for Brandon right there. Mm -hmm. yeah. He is he's great. Like, I'm going to say he's Yeah, great. he yeah. is. Yeah. We all loved him. Yeah. All right. So first things first question. Y'all describe the first time you remember being afraid and what it was you were afraid of. So I, um, my first memory of being afraid, this probably was not the first time I was afraid, but I do remember we, um, when I was in kindergarten, uh, it was time for me to go to school as kids do. And where I went to school, you had to ride the bus. And so I, it was time for me to go off to school on the bus. And I was very afraid to ride the bus. I did not want to be alone. I did not want to get on the big scary bus. And, um, my parents recognized that, and my dad was very attuned. He's a, a very compassionate, sensitive guy, and he was very attuned to the fact that I was upset about it. And so he um, put me on the bus and then immediately went out and bought me a trophy that said <laughs> Big Girl 1980 on it. And I still have it to this day, so he was very gracious to me. I love that. That combination of pushing you to do something you're afraid of and acknowledging how tough it would be and rewarding you. Sweet. Yes. Yeah. Sweet. That you've kept that too. It's cool. What about you, Sarah? Um, I, I don't remember my first fear, but I definitely remember the fear I've had all throughout childhood and still do. Um, I do not like heights at all. I'm, I'm really good if it's something really solid. Mm -hmm. So if there's like, I remember this lighthouse, my parents and I went up and it was a stone lighthouse and it had like a two foot thick stone wall around it. And I was hanging over the edge and my parents were like, who are you? Um, Cause they were expecting me not to even want to go out onto the little 
walk. Um, so we also, when I was little, used to go caving and the, the caves often have like those um, fire escape stairwell type mm. things that are metal and kind of rickety or they feel rickety to me and see through and at mammoth caves, the, it, they don't know where the bottom of the sinkhole that the stairwell goes into. So that's the, so scary. Yeah. The poles just go into the walls to the side. Um, I really did not like this. And um, the other thing I remember about my fear of heights is my mom because she's super empathetic and she was, as a mom now, I know like she was trying so hard to help me and love me through this, but it always involved holding me, like holding my hand or putting an arm around me. And my fear is not that like it'll collapse and we will fall. My fear is actually that I will go flying off the edge or like whip down through between two stairs. And um, so if she's holding me, that then doubles the chances for both of us that this might happen to one of us. <laughs> um, and so it, it's not very, it, it, it was, yeah, it's one of those things like every time you go on vacation, there's something to climb or, you know, whatever. I did not go up the Statue of Liberty as a mm -hmm. child because mm -hmm. I got to about her feet and I was like, nope. I might go flying um, off. I might. And so my parents went up one at a time. While the other one stayed with me. I do love it when your your people are patient. I do. They are. And John fears. has learned to deal with it. He doesn't try to touch me. He's got that much part <laughs> down. But he did try to like logic me out of of my mm -mm. irrational fear. And I'm like, there, he was like, this is not rational, Sarah. And I was like, yeah, mm -mm. I know. Phobias are not. Yeah. I'm like, phobias aren't rational. It's you just have to deal with it. Sorry. If I could have talked myself out of it. <laughs> I, I would have a long time uh, ago. Right. Mm -hmm. What about you, Vanessa? Growing up, for me, the thing that I was afraid of that I remember being just so afraid of was Amityville Horror. That was just the worst movie. And I don't know who in the world allowed me to watch that movie. or, But that was just awful. And I had such a vivid imagination and it just terrified me. And particularly, you know, at bedtime. That's when, yeah. if you're a kid, that's when bedtime is just, you know, horrible. So I just remember being so afraid of that. And I can't, for the life of me, figure out why people like horror movies. I, I, yeah, I don't get it. Don't why get do it. you want to be that scared? I don't want to be afraid. I hate being afraid. <laughs> I remember Gremlins that I watched at a slumber party mm -hmm. that freaked me out and they got all <laughs> blended up in the blender. Like yep. that was so disgusting to me. And then I remember watching Children of the Corn mm -hmm. and I lived in Indiana and we were oh, small no. towns surrounded by cornfields and I remember having to drive home and thinking... I was pretty afraid, so I'm yeah, with you. I, when I watch horror movies, I don't know why it is, but I put my fingers in my ears, <laughs> but I keep my eyes open. <laughs> so my people are like, "Why are you doing that?" Like, do both, there's Emma. something about the noise, like, and I'll hum to myself, oh, yeah. no, 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 like that. Anyway, it's 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 weird. So obviously, I'm a little scared of horror movies too. But what came to my mind when I was thinking about this question wasn't my childhood fear, but my one of my children's childhood fears. I have three boys. And one of them, I distinctly remember when he developed a very strong fear of thunderstorms. He was at his grandparents' house. We were out of town. And it was one of those shake the earth type of thunderstorms. That thunder's rumbling. Mm -hmm. Lightning is coming down. Looks like bolts straight from Zeus. Hail, <laughs> wind. And he just had never seen anything like it. And we weren't there. And he's got loving grandparents. But I think he just felt like, oh, my goodness, the earth, you know, the world is coming to an end. And I have no idea what to do. My people aren't here. And so he began to be very afraid of thunderstorms. And we teased him for a little while, kindly, 
because he would become our he he became our weather forecaster. I mean, if he looked outside and he saw gray clouds, buddy, he was on my phone pulling up the weather app. He knew how to work the radar, but he really was terrified um, mm-hmm. for a good long time about that. And so, you know, we're all f- afraid of different things. Yeah, mm-hmm. I might not feel like I'm afraid of heights or you know, or riding the bus. Mm-hmm. I do feel like I'm afraid of horror movies. And y'all might not be afraid of thunderstorms, but we know what it's like to be in situations in our life that cause us to be afraid. We could call them life storms. Mm-hmm. And they're the, the things that come to us or that we experience that really do seem certainly dire and inescapable. And it's that type of situation that we find the Apostle Paul here in chapters 27 and 28 of Acts. And if you're listening and you have not read these chapters yet, I encourage you to hit the pause button and do so now because the details are captivating and you will gain more from our conversation today having read the account for yourself. You really need to understand the backdrop of this storm. This is what I... One of the many things I love about the Bible is it's so realistic. It takes the time to describe what kind of storm Paul's in so that we can know that God knows what it's like to be in the midst of the storm. And this is one such instance. Vanessa, what stuck out to you about this particular physical storm? Paul's in a boat. He's sailing. This enormous storm comes up. What stuck out to you? I think that the suddenness of it uh, struck me because um, you see the them gently kind of sailing along. And wow, isn't that kind of how life is sometimes? You're just gently sailing along and suddenly things change. And, and so the suddenness of this storm and how it's described is tempestuous and struck down from land and, and they're being driven along. And so all of this forcefulness of them being placed and put somewhere that they don't want to be. And they were just sailing along. Mm. And so just the suddenness of that, that this violence has come and just um, move them along, driven them along to a place where they hadn't wanted, wanted to be. And it's done it so violently. Um, also the hopelessness of it, they're, they're violently tossed about this lasts for three days. It just had to be a long three days to endure such violence, winds and storm. Um, and, you know, and I think the storms in our lives can just sometimes, you know, we can just wonder when will they end? Mm-hmm. Um, and that must have seemed like a lifetime, three days of that type of violent action and movement. Uh, and then we hear the hopelessness of all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. And so I, I hear this, the description of this storm, and I, I feel all of the the fearfulness, the um, the scariness, mm-hmm. the the suddenness the violence of it, and then the hopelessness of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul was in the midst of this storm on the way to Rome. Paul's been in the midst of a lot of storms of life throughout Acts. He's been persecuted. He's been in prison. He's been beaten. He's been cast off by his people, the Jews. And in the midst of all of that, he's had one mission, which is to continue to testify courageously Mm -hmm. to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And the Lord's made it clear that he's going to stand before Caesar in Rome. And so he is on mission in the midst of a storm that seems to threaten both his mission um, that the Lord has given him to proclaim the gospel and his life. And that's what storms do. Mm -hmm. They threaten everything about us, our mission, our person, everything. How have y'all experienced, like, what's a storm in your life, either past or present, 
that has threatened you in an intense way and has caused you to ask, how do I see the Lord here as my support? And how is he keeping me on mission in the midst of all of this? It's kind of a a story for Hannah and I together. I feel like you can't separate either one of ours. But when Hannah was in third grade, I think she was only about six weeks in. um, We were I was having a meeting with another PTO mom and uh, she had her son there and they were the kids were playing tag. And I had not appropriately removed the blind cords from our Roman shades and Hannah hid in the curtain and wrapped it around her finger. And all of a sudden her finger was missing. Mm. It had been Mm. what they call degloved. So the bone Mm. was intact, but she was missing a lot of tissue. Mm. Um, And it, I was never afraid for her life, but there was definitely like, and it, it was her right hand. She's right-handed and it was her index finger. So, I mean, it's, it's a finger I use a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so like there was some uncertainty about the outcome, but what is most, what I remember most is just the way that the Lord met us every step along the way. Um, the woman who was over had, had a, similarly uh not really long term life threatening injury but very bloody gory she had sliced her hand in a meat slicer um and she was a pre- had been a pre med student um so she was exactly the right person to have at the house she helped me get Hannah wrapped up she stayed with the boys until John got home and then our neighbor was an anesthesiologist at MCG Children's So he met us there and he was not her anesthesiologist. But as soon as they saw we were connected to him, we got the the red carpet was rolled out. We got great service. Um, And then we also heard the surgeon who repaired her hand was Mark Fulcher here at church, who is an amazing hand surgeon. Um, People come from all over the United States to learn from him. But even better, he had been her Sunday school teacher. Yeah. So she yeah, already had wow. that connection with him wow. and trusted him. And um, it was just, it was so sweet. Um, just all the provision mm-hmm. that the Lord gave us. But also, um, and I, you know, I, you always wonder, like, how would I react in that situation? Or what would I say if that happened to me? Um, and so we were driving from home to the hospital and Hannah said, um, I think this is the worst day of my life. And I was like, I know it is. I think it might be the worst day of mine. And and then later she goes, Mom, did God mean for this to happen? And I think I scared her a little bit because I screamed, yes. <laughs> and she was like, oh, wow. Um, but just the, the blessing that was that the Lord gave me that. I mean, because I, normally I, I think my answer would have been like, well, yeah, but I don't know what for. And I was so sure. And I I told her, I was like, I don't know how the Lord is going to use this. I don't know what this means for you long term as an adult, a year from now even. Um, but the Lord is shaping you into who you are. Mm-hmm. And this is part of it. Mm-hmm. Without this, you will not be who he created you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the the certainty I had at that moment Um, was not human. That Mm. was definitely the Lord giving me those words for both of us. And that has to be imprinted on her mind, both the force with which you answered, (laughs) the immediacy, 
But then even attached to that, all those things that you were describing, like right in that moment, you were seeing those provisions immediately. Yes. It has become an Ebenezer stone for our family. Um, and she had a little splint for a little while. So we still have the splint. Um, we get it out and celebrate the anniversary of the turtle finger. Mm. What about you, Shannon? Sure. So um, I really identified a lot with the story. You know, relationships are complicated. And when we are involved with other people, which we are because we're human, and when you look at the Godhead, he is so relational. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in relation, and they made us to be in relation, and um, they invite us into relationship with them. And so to bear their image, we are to be relational. And this story is a invitation to look at how Paul bears the image of Christ in relation to being in the storms of life and living relationally with people, even in the midst of suffering. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I just admire and appreciate him for being feeling in uh, Acts 27, 11, completely ignored disbelieved and misunderstood because he gives them warning let's not do this yeah and they're coming into a season right which you're not supposed to travel and they're getting real close to the do not sail season real close (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. when they're in this harbor and they're really trying to decide well do we keep moving or do we not keep moving they're getting kind of different opinions and paul's opinion is one thing and all the people who know best are saying another thing and um they really vote Put it to a vote. And the vote is, well, let's move forward. And not even a really strong vote, but a vote of, well, let's move forward and hope we get to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Let's just hope we get there. I mean, Paul could have had a fit. He could have said, well, you owe me an apology. I'm right. You're wrong. All of these kinds of things. That's suffering. That's a lot of suffering. Mm. Uh, and to be able to be in the midst of the storm and just continue in that storm to stand on what Christ has shown him to do in the midst of that storm and to even serve them a meal. I mean, how Christ-like is that? Right. To serve them a meal. I pray in my life that I continue as best I can, knowing that I'm going to mess it up all the time. And this is really my prayer every day when I wake up. Lord, I am not able to do this without your Holy Spirit. But you are in control and on the throne, and I am not. And I am not able to weather these storms of life, whether they be my kids' dirty diapers or whether they be an MS diagnosis or whether they be whatever. They are here every day, and I just pray that you would help me to bear your image and not my own Mm -hmm. so that people can see Christ in me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful that the Lord is attuned to who we are as people and to not just give us like a pat answer of what we should be uh, and that there's one way because I think of different storms in the Bible, like Paul was called to, uh, you know, stay in the ship. Nobody gets out. If anybody gets out, they're going to die. Paul, everybody stays in the ship and the ship's going to wreck. It's going to wreck. You better stay in the ship and you gotta, you're going to live through the storm and, and everybody's going to make it. What did Job have to do in the midst of the storm? And the storm was, God, you better brace yourself because I'm going to crush you. 
brace yourself, I'm going to crush you. Peter had to walk out on the water to Jesus. Don't look down. Look straight to me. Every storm looks different, and he is attuned to us and who we are and what our needs are because our storms are different. So we can't expect that we're all going to have to, it's all going to look the same for us because he loves us for who we are. He created us. I'm just grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling from this passage, just the the peacefulness of the day and the suddenness of the storm. Um, Recently, my mother passed away um, January 14. And I remember it was a day that I was off and it was a peaceful day. And I remember just how quickly the events of the day developed from a phone call that said that she they, that my other siblings weren't able to reach her to probably within an hour, she's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the shock of that, um, how disorienting it was after the shock wore off, the disorientation kind of set in. And, uh, and just the, the, the difficulty of that was really tough. Um, and, it, and it is tough. Uh, but on top of that, um, one of the, the uh, things that was going on in my life is I was writing a dissertation. I was finishing up the last leg of a, of a degree. And um, the thing that I've said over and over again is uh, because I'm just so out of focus and it was just hard to find focus mm-hmm. um, in the midst of grief. Grief just grief affects everything. Mm-hmm. And um, so just over and over again, I've said, Lord, if you don't do this, I can't. And it, it was hard to have what I would call the largest assignment of my life and to only be half present. Mm-hmm. Um, just super tough in, in so many ways. The Lord's provision has been people who knew that and who anticipated what I would need. People who had suffered loss, who said, you're going to need meals. I didn't know what I needed. <laughs> you know, there were people who just came. They just showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people who said, no, a week's not enough. Let's do two weeks of meals. Let's do, you know, and and, and so people just kept holding my arms and just kept anticipating need and, and being there un- until I got some focus. But the, so the Lord just showed up in amazing ways. And then, as you know, yesterday I defended and I defended successfully because he did show up and he did do it and he did give me focus and he used the church and he used everyone to come and stand with me and to help me when I couldn't stand. Mm-hmm. And so um, the storm was sudden. It was hard. It was rough. It was, and it is tough. Um, but the Lord's provision has been great and it has been adequate and it has been what I needed. Mm-hmm. And that's the theme of what all three of you are saying, that you see the difficulty of the storm. You're not, you know, naively looking over that or trying to sort of optimistically ignore it, but you feel it, you see it, you experience it. And yet you anticipate that the Lord's going to show up in it. And the more storms we go through, I think the more we anticipate that. Or conversely, I guess, the more storms we go through that we don't look for that, and the more cynical we get about it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've mentioned this, I think I said this before, but that Paul's gone through several storms. And I think he's fully expecting the Lord to show up. At least, at the very least, he's expecting the Lord to do exactly what the Lord intends to do and mm-hmm. it to be good. And 
the way that the Lord meets Paul in this particular instance is a vision, um, something that he can see and a direct word of the fact that this is not going to end in death, that, that he is going to take Paul all the way to Rome to what he had said he was originally going to do. That is going to happen. And not only that, but Shannon, you mentioned this, how relational this is, but he's going to give Paul, essentially, he says, everybody that's with you, mm-hmm. that that right. their lives are attached to the saving of Paul's life. And so when Paul's communicating that to his fellow passengers, he assures them that his assurance in the midst of the storm rests on the fact that he's not his own, but that he knows he belongs to the Lord God. And George Robertson says in our study, there comes a point in everyone's life when he gets weary of running his own life. Mm-hmm. At that point, people can turn to some destructive measures of giving their life over to someone or something else. The Christian's comfort is to know that he does not have to run his own life or worry about its preservation. As the Catechism says, our only comfort in life and in death is that we belong, body and soul, to our faithful Savior. Y'all, how you're expressing some of this, but go into it more. How has knowing that you belong, body and soul to God, prevented you from turning to destructive measures or self-preservation in the midst of your own personal storms? I think there's a settledness um, in my ultimate security being in him. Um, but I think that it's I'm often less attentive to body, more attentive to, to soul maybe, and less, than, less to body uh, in times of difficulty of my body belonging to him. And I think um, I'm less attentive to caring well for it Mm. Um, skipping meals, Mm. eating garbage, or skipping life-giving walks in Mm. exchange for getting a little bit more work done. And um, so in those moments, I I don't show that my body belongs to him. Mm. I'm now, I I probably didn't miss prayer, Mm. which is, which is Mm -hmm. strange, right? Mm -hmm. We expect the inverse, but I probably didn't miss time with him because that's, that just feels so essential, but I'm not often, um, I'm not always tuned in to my body belongs to him. And I treat it more as an inconvenient distraction from my important work and not as though it's a living sacrifice and a worship. Hmm. That is interesting. I mean, interesting in the sense that we do oftentimes think if you get your quiet time with the Lord, if you get that prayer time, you don't need little frou-frou things like a walk or a good meal or a good night's sleep. Those Mm -hmm. are just sort of extras. Mm -hmm. But the Lord's designed us as human creatures that yes. do not function without those and yes. to be attuned to those and to offer that to him is it is an act of trust in a sense i'm going to do these that don't seem as productive because uh, i trust you yeah i think that it, it i this was fresh on my mind because uh, having just finished um this um, defense on yesterday i had someone to ask what had i sacrificed as far as you know relationships and that kind of thing and i said that's interesting. I think my children still like me <laughs> and I, I think my husband still likes me, but I tend to neglect me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tend to care for others, but neglect me. If there's some neglect that's going to be done, it's usually me and not others. And that's not good either. So hmm. what do you think, Shane? Yeah. So um, I would say uh, I loved the question because it was very revealing. I consistently am in need of Christ and I consistently turn to destructive measures, uh, even though I don't want to. I'm in re- need of a personal savior, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a great latchkey kid. When someone hurts my feelings or attacks my personal whatever, I'm going to run into my house and isolate, shut the blinds, mm-hmm. turn on the TV. Mm-hmm. 
and grab whatever's in the fridge because that's what latchkey kids do. Mm. <laughs> and we learned how to do it really well, right? Maybe G.I. Joe is on. <laughs> or the A-Team. Or the A-Team. Oh, gosh, Mr. Or T. Or Mr. T, right? <laughs> Whoever, we got it. Um, and so, uh, and our kids are probably going to uh, disassociate by grabbing their phones or swiping through Twitter or uh, Instagram or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Like a... a Let's it's like a safety mechanism. Call it a spade mm-hmm. a spade, right? We're, we all want to disassociate from whatever is hurting our feelings. Do we even know our feelings? I, I was so good from childhood of uh, being a great latchkey kid. I really was not even aware I was feeling something. And so what are my feelings? Like, oh, someone hurt my feelings. I didn't even know they had hurt my feelings. So I had a really good wall up about that. So just even recognizing I have a feeling and like I can take that feeling to the Lord and say like, Hey, I feel alone. Mm -hmm. I feel isolated. So my, I go to a destructive measure of isolation, self pity, but man, I've got a personal savior Mm -hmm. who can handle my feelings just like he handled Paul's. Paul says, I'm feeling misunderstood. I'm feeling uh, alone on the ship. It looks pretty bleak over here. I'm in the midst of this storm. And you know how you can see all of that? You can read 2 Timothy and you can read because that's right after the end of chapter 28. And he is telling Timothy everything he's learned. And it's all about suffering. Mm -hmm. And you can see what he learned. Mm -hmm. And so um, I need Jesus. Um, Yeah, I, I honestly feel like my life has been fairly placid. Um, I don't feel like I've had, um, me personally, like, I don't, I don't have like big crisis, but I I do feel like just the day to day, like the grind of being human, I guess, just relationships. But I do remember feeling really alone and like the work I was doing was not meaningful when I had little, little mm-hmm. people in a lot of diapers. <laughs> um, just felt like as soon as I finished and got like everyone happy, it all fell apart again. And so I think for me, the Acts taught in this specific passage, George pulled out that Paul knew that God was present. He knew he was not, that he belonged to God. He was not his own. That every moment and place he was in was purposeful and given to him by God. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then he, he knew the word. He knew scripture. He knew what God had told him. He knew what Jesus had told him when he was on earth and and he knew his old testament scripture he knew the promises from long ago and i think for me community has been so important for me for these four things because i can't i can kind of maybe get one of these together at a time but all of these happening in my brain and and in my heart at the same time feels really hard um and so community has been so important Um, for these that other people are speaking these truths to me and that they are doing they are the hands and feet of Jesus showing up and being his presence in my life and I'm Shannon has been a huge part of this because Shannon has had some big storms and I I feel like my life is kind of placid and and safe compared to hers but just that she is so faithful in the day-to-day hard and has been able to speak to me Um, and show me and speak truth to me about who God is and where he is showing up in my life, Um, encouraging me that, that 
every diaper I change is service to him Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. um, all the relational work I've put into a marriage and friendships and my kids and this church is is meaningful and and has has importance and and when none of those things are going the way I think they should be going she is there to say yeah this is hard and it's not it doesn't look like it's ever going to get better but there is everlasting spiritual importance in every conversation, every, like every piece of what you are doing, even if it feels like maybe not even that you're treading water, but that you're sinking. Like mm-hmm. it, no matter what your perspective on the situation is, um, there that it's important and valid. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she, you know she's been the one who's like, you need a walk, or you need to go to bed early tonight, or you know why don't you drop Hannah off to play so that you can have five minutes by yourself and just so. Yeah, just all of those things, mind, body, soul, nurturing me over the, over so many years. Um, and it's just a sweet thing that it looks so different than it used to. But, you know, I, I hope that I have been that for her and others. You have been, Sarah. I love <laughs> oh, you. Thanks, Shannon. Well, and I love Shannon. I mean, you're you're talking about that one of your challenges in life storms could be to hole up, you know, and isolate and that in choosing not to do that and to trust the Lord's care and love of you has opened you up to other people as well. And by experiencing some of the rockier or more violent storms of life, then you experience the same God that you experience in what you would call the more placid storms of life. And whether they are placid or whether they are rocking, um, what we learn about the Lord is the same. And to share those things together and to uh, respect and care for one another in those different places that doesn't always happen in friendships. And that's just a really sweet thing to observe and to see. And, um, you know, I was struck reading this passage too, how many times it mentions that Paul's friends were allowed to minister to him. Mm -hmm. You don't know who they are. You don't know what their names are, Mm -hmm. but all along the way, those friends come in and minister to his needs in prison and, Um, just love on him. And I think they don't have a name in the Bible, but man, did they serve an important function Mm -hmm. and how the Lord really does use us in each other's struggles. Well, and Paul wouldn't have even been able to complete his missionary journeys. I mean, he didn't have anything. Everywhere he went, he was dependent on the body to feed him, give him a place to stay. I mean, even just when it was kind of normal, you know, never mind when he was being persecuted, imprisoned, whatever. Yeah, and I mean, right. even, even Jesus in the garden, who is God, asked the disciples to pray for him. Mm. Um, it's just, I mean, we cannot do it alone. We cannot. We have to be in community. We cannot do it alone. You can't do it alone. Uh, we need other people. And we can't do it alone. We need God's word in our minds, in our yes. hearts. We've got to know it. And you know, the, Paul heard it. He received it. He believed it. Yes. What are some of the things the Lord has said to y'all specifically through his word in the midst of your storms that you have hung on to and he's been faithful to? I sit in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. I sit in them. Uh, <laughs> Brandon jokes with me about the year I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis Everyone would go to bed, and um, for two years, when everyone in my house was asleep, I would sit on my couch and cry all night long and read the Psalms for for two years straight. 
I I grieved for two years, mm-hmm. just the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And there were that didn't count the year that Bethany had to go live with my parents. Mm-hmm. And now I'll cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cue me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so and that is a constant storm that mm-hmm. will never go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it it is this, it is the longer part that the, the long journey that some days is good and some days is bad. But uh, so the Psalms are beautiful. Um, the Lord's names are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so grateful for him and that he doesn't change. He is consistent. He is enough. He is everything um, when I'm not. And I'm grateful for that. And he gives you words to express pain. I always yes. think that about the Psalms, you yes. words you don't even know that you need, that yes. how kind of the Lord to express pain, to know it and to express it and to give you words. And he's so attuned to me and to people I care about. He loves me uh, by loving on those I love. He loves on me uh, just in nature. You're, Vanessa, you were talking about the walks that you need to take. Mm-hmm. He puts us in those walks so that we can see his creation. Mm-hmm. Like all these ways that we think, oh, I don't have time for or whatever. <laughs> like he, he's trying to love on us and care for us and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just a different way to see. Um, I think that his presence in my life has been the easiest for me to to see and feel. I don't ever feel alone. Mm-hmm. I I was an only child. I used to do things like go to the movies by myself, mm-hmm. like weird people don't do this kind of stuff. I'm totally, but I think it's because even from a very young age, I've never felt alone. And I mean, I, I have loneliness at times. I don't, I don't want to give that impression, but um, there are times when I long for people, the community around me, because you know, I haven't seen my, my people in too long, but, um, but that, really basic comfort of just not I, I don't ever feel like he's not there yeah um and I, I know that many people do um I'm mean, people in my own family do so just what a blessing that has been that um I don't always feel like every moment's purposeful I don't always have the right scripture for people but I always feel like he's there my most recent storm <laughs> um y'all are gonna think we're really accident prone at my house but um we moved into a new house last July and then about a couple, oh, a couple months later, I don't know how many, um, Hannah fainted, and and I mean she fainted like stiff as a board, cracked her head on the on the floor, and and then um, about a month before Masters, I fainted in the bathroom and cracked my head open. Mm-hmm. I had she was unharmed at all; she was totally fine. Um, but we did laugh that we're turning into fainting goats at our house. Um, I had gotten up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and they think it was just like a, maybe a little dehydration, little just body blood pressure type stuff. But um, I had a, a three inch head wound and got nine staples. And I think it freaked John out way more than it freaked me out because God was with me. Presence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we feel and it's something that we're told. I love that we have both things. You know, we have a sense of it and we have an absolute word given assurance. Mm-hmm of it and he really does tell us god word god's word tells us to expect the storms but he promises that when we find ourselves in the midst of them that we're not in them alone 
and that they will not defeat us. They will not defeat his purpose for us, his love for us. And salvation comes and God is praised as a result. And that's what y'all have been doing today. And thank you. Sarah and Shannon, it's been so good having you guys here. Thank you for talking to us today. Listeners, if you want to see the pretty faces of our guests today, check out our Women's Bible Study Facebook page at Women's Bible Study FPCA or find us on Instagram at First Pres Augusta Women. We'd love for you to join us again next week. Take us with you as you plant your spring flowers. We'll be sitting with Leslie Bogdanow talking about all the evidence we saw in Acts that guarantees to us the reality that Jesus continues his work in and through the church. Hope you'll listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again a season of pure shining to cheer it after the rain.